right, I'd like to welcome everyone to uh, another edition of Coach Starnes Raw. Uh, it's you know it's it's going to be a little different today. Uh, you know, with with last week being being our last football game for the season, and it's kind of it's always uh, you know a tough thing, especially when you have such a good senior class like we did this year. But uh, you know, we had a great homecoming game. Friday night and the festivities were as always exceptional. It's just such a great experience, homecoming at All Saints. And and our Trojans went out and, and played a very hard fought game against a, a solid Dallas Shelton team on Friday and just, you know, fell short Friday night. But but I'd like to uh, to tip my hat to these young men that, you know, faced overwhelming adversity and difficulties throughout the this past season, but each and every week went out there and played their hearts out every snap. Uh, and, and again, I attribute that to to just their character and, and great senior leadership. And, you know, I, I, I wish we would have been able to pull out a win for our seniors their last game, but but I'm real proud of the way those young men played and fought all year long. And again, I attribute it to a, just a great senior class and great character in our young athletes, and really enjoyed watching them getting get better each and every week. And, and we're just real excited about the future of Trojan football. Now transitioning to, you know, what some are calling upset week in college football. Uh, there were a lot of great games on the slate, and but 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 not really, you know. Matchups between top-ranked teams. I mean, I think the best matchup was A and M Auburn, which I got the I got the opportunity to go see in person, and and again that was an exceptional game. Yes, it was twenty to three, but it was a tight game all the way through. And you know, my takeaways from that contest was just A and M has an elite level defense, elite. They are right there with Georgia on defense. They are an elite defense. And Auburn just couldn't handle it. Auburn could not block their front seven. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, as the game goes, went on, Auburn had some chances early on. And then in the second half, the A&M defense just took over. First and foremost, scoring the only touchdown in the game. But, but, but more importantly, Auburn had a difficult time getting the ball past midfield in the second half. And, and that's, again, that was the key in the game. And A&M was able to run the football. That's the difference. What 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 are the telltale features of a great football team? You play great defense and you're able to run the football. And I believe AM rushed. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but around 300 yards of rushing for AM. And a lot of that is because they have a good stable of backs led by a chain and spiller. But their offensive line's getting healthy. So watch out for AM. They have a huge game against Ole Miss at Ole Miss this week. But AM has a as an inside track. If, if Alabama slips up, which Alabama was very questionable this week against LSU, if Alabama slips up, then a and is going to be in that SEC championship game if they can take care of their business. But, man, their defense is playing at an elite level. And it was just a great experience Saturday afternoon in College Station, as always. Um, but, you know, what this week showed me in college football, you know, with the upsets of – Purdue upsetting Michigan State. Everybody, I was listening on to College Game Day on the way down to College Station, and all the experts were saying, well, Michigan State's going to win this because they're aware. It's not like they're going into uncharted territory. They, they All they've heard all week is that Purdue's a giant killer and Purdue's, well, it doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter because these are still 18 to 23-year-old young men. And this stuff gets in their mind. Purdue thinks they can beat number one top-ranked teams. So they do. Michigan State knows that going into Purdue is a hard place to play and win. And Michigan State, which is just now kind of emerging on the national scene, is not a well-established program like a Georgia or Alabama right now at this point. And so they have doubt in their mind because they're going into a place that's known as a giant killer. It gets in their mind. It gets in these young kids' minds. And as soon as one or two things don't go their way, or as soon as one or two things go in favor of the other team, they start to think, doubt creeps in, and they start to think, whoa, maybe it is hard to win here in Purdue. So we too often, too often, the mentality or the mental state of these athletes is overlooked in big games. You have to stay away from emotional games. Michigan State's also coming off a big win against their rival, Michigan, and they had a hangover this week. And they've been told all week about Purdue being a giant killer. And so that doubt, as soon as Purdue had some success early on, that doubt starts creeping in their mind. And it showed. And Purdue's able to, what, achieve an 11-point victory and a huge upset over number 3 Michigan State. You see the same thing with Baylor. It's just a different approach. Baylor is playing a TCU team at in, at in Fort Worth that had just lost their coach, who'd been, you know, who had helped establish that program, Coach Patterson. Great coach. And Baylor goes in looking forward, most likely looking forward, overlooking a TCU team that they think they're going to go in and just beat. And they're looking forward to their next week's matchup against top rank or one of the top 10 ranked teams in Oklahoma. The, the, the matchup everybody's talking about. Because this week, of course, the college football playoff rankings were announced. And Oklahoma, who many of feel was slighted, which I don't think was slighted, is you know undefeated. And they're lie-balling their matchup with Baylor the next week. And so is Baylor, but Baylor looks past TCU. That's what these young men do. That's what young kids do. So too often, the mental state, and again, by what I mean is that their mental approach to the game, is what I mean by that, is often overlooked. And Baylor was looking forward to their big matchup with Oklahoma next week, and TCU came ready to play and slipped up on them. Same thing with UT. Texas, which we've talked a lot about, comes in, and Texas struggles in the second half. That's in their mind. They go into a game and they play well in the first half. What I believe they were up seven to three on Iowa State and end up losing 30 to seven. They are a poor second half team, and that's in their mind. Until they overcome that hurdle, that's always in the back of their mind. And so that haunts them. And so when things start going wrong in the second half, now they start thinking, oh, we're not a good second half team. We're not a good second half team. And that mentality takes over, and they give up 23 points to Iowa State. Same thing with Nebraska. Nebraska, I'd have to pull up their schedule, but Nebraska has lost countless one-score games this year. And so going into a big matchup with Ohio State this past weekend, 
what happens? They lose another close game. It's it's in their mental, it's in their it's in their mindset now. It it, it creeps in time in and time again. And so what you get, what you get there is you get teams that succumb to that pressure or teams that succumb to that mental state. And so, again, whether it's overlooking a team because they're looking forward to the next week, whether it's doubting themselves because they're going into uh, a, to go play a team on the road that's considered a giant killer or having a hangover from a big week, big game the week before or not being a, labeled a second-half team or being labeled a team that loses close games. All those things creep into these young kids' minds and affect their ability to play. See, Nebraska lost a one-score game to Illinois, one-score game to Oklahoma, one-score game to Michigan State, one-score game to Michigan, one-score game to Minnesota, Purdue, and then lost by nine to Ohio State. So in Nebraska's seven losses, all of them are one-score games, except for the most recent, which was Ohio State, but it was a nine-point game, which was as close as you can get to a one-score game. So they play hard. They just can't get over that hump is what I'm saying. And But they, they can get over the hump, but they just haven't yet. Same thing with Texas. Texas can get over that second-half mentality, that losing in the second-half mentality, but it's going to take some successes in the second half to do so. And so what brings me to my next point is, how? so what are we saying? Is this, is this constant? No. What it takes is a great program, a great coach, which I think a lot of these coaches are great and will get their teams over these humps. But you look at a team like Alabama, Alabama gets over these humps, and it's because of their pro approach. It's because of Nick Saban's, as a you know, the coin phrase, the process. So great programs like Georgia right now in Alabama are able to get over these small hurdles and avoid these mental letdowns, I think is a much better term to use. They're, they're able to overcome these mental letdowns because they have that leadership that's been there. It's established, and so they're able to overcome these hurdles. And that's what great programs and great teams do. And that's why Alabama and Georgia are number one, number two. Because Alabama could have easily lost to LSU. LSU had numerous opportunities to beat Alabama. But Alabama, again, goes into that game expecting to win. I know we talked about that before, and LSU was hoping to win. That's the difference. That is the difference because they had that opportunity to do that. Numerous opportunities LSU had to beat, knock off Alabama, but they couldn't do it. Now, Alabama has some holes, a lot more than normal. And I, I'm not trying to point fingers, but a lot of it, I think, and I, and I saw it firsthand when I was at the A&M-Alabama game, their offensive play calling leaves a lot to be desired. And I know I'm a Texans fan, and so no, it's not animosity towards Bill O'Brien. But but there's there, I think offensively, four rushing yards, really? That's pathetic for an Alabama team. Alabama has a certain identity. Yes, they can throw the ball with Mac Jones last year, and they were just explosive offensively. But Alabama always runs the ball and plays good defense. Always. Alabama has to run the football in some form or fashion. And they were not able to do that against LSU. And so 
that's where I to me the hole is. And again, when I was there at the when A and M upset uh, Alabama in College Station, <laughs> it was first and goal from the four, and they didn't get in because they threw the ball four. T- they threw the ball three times and had to kick a field goal. That was the difference in that football game. And if they would have ran the ball four times or three or four times, they would have definitely scored. So the fact that Alabama has four rushing yards is 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 not acceptable. Um, and they but but again, what it'll come down to is Coach Saban's the best at that. He's the best at self analysis, and he's the best at shaping his players' mental approach to the game. And so he will get they will get the job done and they will respond to this and they will fix their problems. Now, that doesn't mean they can't have a slip up in these next few games because they play Arkansas and they have to go to Auburn to play in the Iron Bowl. That's always a tough I mean, that's always a tough, a tough task. No matter what the stability of the Alabama team is, going to Auburn and playing in such an emotional game is very difficult. But he if anybody can do it, he will, because again, they do such a good job. And and they will fix their issues. Now, tonight, the college football playoff rankings are going to be released. And of course, you know, I'm driving in this morning, and that's all they're talking about. College football playoff rankings. College football playoff rankings. And I think the wisest thing said this morning, uh, I, I want to attribute to Feinbaum. I think it was Feinbaum that said it, was it really doesn't matter right now. And it doesn't. Uh, I mean, to some extent it does, but... But overall, there's so many big games left. I mean, the Big Ten is backloaded. The Big 12, they're backloaded with big games. Oklahoma has Baylor this week. I think Oklahoma's going to win this week. Yes, they're go- I know that Baylor's you know a good, solid football team, but it'll be a close game because I think Baylor will respond. This was the game Baylor was ready for. It hasn't lost its luster, but it's lost a little luster with their loss to TCU. But... I think Baylor will respond this week, but I think Oklahoma, with because they had this week off and two weeks to prepare, I think will be well prepared for this game, and I do think they're going to handle Baylor. But I think Oklahoma has significant cause to worry when they go to Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State plays great defense. And that game is in Stillwater. I think Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma. So that's, that's the way I think that's going to play out. But we'll we'll see. Again, and I would give Baylor a great chance to win this week. And they still have a chance to win. I think they're a good football team. And they're going to respond to their mental letdown this week against TCU. But Oklahoma has had two weeks to prepare for them. And I think that's going to be a lot to overcome. So, it'll be fun to watch, though. Same thing in the SEC. SEC has big games left to play. Alabama has to go to Auburn. Alabama has to play a solid Arkansas team that had a big win over Mississippi State this past weekend. A&M has the inside track, has a, has a, not a, I wouldn't say inside track, it has an outside track to the SEC championship. But they have a huge test on the road this week at playing at Ole Miss, you know, against against a, a very good, a very solid, old, explosive Ole Miss team. And so that's going to be interesting. I want to see how the defense responds to that. I want to see how they play at Ole Miss. That's going to be a big game. And but the thing, good thing for AM is going into it, they have Prairie View the next week, so they know it's a big game. They're not looking forward to anything. This is their game. This is a huge game for AM. Um, Auburn at Mississippi State is going to be a good game, but I don't think it has that has no factor on the college football playoff. But um, 
But again, the Big Ten has huge games coming up. Michigan still has to play Ohio State at the end of the year. Ohio State has to play Michigan State and Michigan. And if I'm if I'm correct, they also have to play Purdue. And so that's that's obviously a tough task. Uh, so they play Purdue this week, but it's at Ohio State, which I think makes a big difference. Purdue coming off a big win at Michigan or against Michigan State at home, having to travel to to Ohio State, that's going to be a tough ask. I, I, I don't. I, I do think Purdue's a good football team, but it, but beating Ohio State in Ohio State's going to be a tough. Even though it happened against Oregon earlier on in the year, but I think Ohio State's very flawed. Their red zone offense has sputtered of late, and they're just having a tough time putting points on the board lately. I mean, and against against a Nebraska team that's three and seven. But yeah, but but a solid Nebraska team too. So that often goes overlooked. I think the hottest team right now in the Big Ten is Wisconsin. Wisconsin looks good, and see Ohio State if they can run the gauntlet in these next three weeks, they're probably they, they're going to probably have to play Wisconsin in the championship. That's going to be a tough game. Wisconsin's a very good football team right now. And then Georgia, Georgia goes to Tennessee. This can be interesting. I want to see how Tennessee. I want to see if Tennessee can move the ball on Georgia because they move the ball on a good Kentucky team this well on a good Kentucky team this past week. I want to see how they, if they can move the ball at Georgia, against Georgia. That's going to be an interesting matchup. I think there's going to be some points scored in that game. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to score enough to beat Georgia. But I'm very interested to see how Georgia defense handles that Tennessee team. So, But a bit, again, and then sorry for the ACC, but the ACC's – very bleak hope of getting a team in the Final Four was Wake Forest, and that fell by the wayside because, again, they can't play defense. You cannot win week in and week out if you do not play solid defense. And that Wake Forest got exposed. Wake Forest didn't have a problem scoring points. Well, I believe they got beat 58-55 to 55 against a, uh, you know, a North Carolina team that has talked about up and down all year. That's been a very you know difficult team to read. But they were able to score at will against Wake Forest, and Wake Forest wasn't able to come up with key stops down the stretch. So, and then Washington State. Washington State's been a solid football team all year, but they have to go to Oregon. I know Oregon's a 14-point favorite, so that's going to be interesting. Can Oregon hang on? Oregon has a tough game coming up against Utah, and with the way it's shaping up right now, they're going to have to beat Utah twice which is extremely difficult because Utah's – and they start to beat a, a, a decent Oregon State team in a big rivalry game, but it's at home. But I think their test is going to come up. They're going to have to beat Utah twice. And can they do it? If they can do it, they're going to be in the Final Four. And so that's what it's going to come down to. So the college football playoffs are gonna, rankings are going to come out again today. And again, mine, I wasn't – I said last year – What would, I said last time, what would be the easiest rankings, right? The easiest rankings would be put the undefeated teams in the rankings. You, you know, going with Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Michigan State. And then, you know, right there on the knocking on the door, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State. Well, the college football playoff didn't do that. They put the what is considered the best four teams, which I agree with. I agree with their rankings last week. Georgia's clear-cut number one. Alabama's number two. I know people don't like that. And yes, Alabama is not... They're showing a lot of they're showing some weaknesses unlike a, a typical Alabama team. But but who's better? You know, Oregon. No, Oregon lost to Stanford. Well, Michigan State, Michigan State just lost to Purdue. 
Oklahoma? No, I think we've all watched Oklahoma. And I think if Oklahoma plays Alabama, I don't think Oklahoma's going to be the favorite in that one. Same thing with Cincinnati. You're telling me if Cincinnati played Alabama on neutral site, people are, you're, you think Cincinnati's going to be the favorite going into that game? No way. So they got the playoff rankings right. Now, what are they going to do this week? Well, you know, Alabama, yeah, Alabama struggled against LSU. They did. So, okay, who are we going to move in front of them? Michigan State that lost to Purdue? Oregon that also struggled with Washington? Or are we going to move Ohio State who struggled at Nebraska? Oh, wait, or Cincinnati who struggled at or at home with college day, game day coming to Cincinnati, struggled at home against a poor or a very a struggling, let me put it that way, Tulsa team. And Tulsa, had they had to stop Tulsa for eight plays on the goal line stand, and I watched it again this morning. You know, the quarterback slips down on the zone read keeper, or else he walks in the end zone, and they have a chance to tie that football game up. And then the running back tries to stretch the ball over and by some margin fumbles it right before it crosses the goal line. Or that that game has a chance to be a tied football game going to overtime. So you're telling me they're going to jump up there? No. No, I I don't think so. What I think will happen is, yeah, they might. Why would they move Oregon in front of Bama? Why? I don't I I don't understand that. So I think that it'd be Georgia, Bama, Oregon will be third, and I think Ohio State will slide into the fourth spot. Even though it was not a impressive win over Nebraska, I still think they slide into the fourth spot with that game looming with Michigan State and Michigan coming up. And so Ohio State slides into the fourth spot. Now, after that, that's where the question's going to come in. What are they going to do with Cincinnati? Are they going to leave Cincinnati at six and leave Michigan State at five and Michigan at seven? Or what I think is a very likely possibility is them moving Michigan State to five, Michigan to six, and moving Cincinnati down to seven. I could see that happening. Or they could just go... Cincinnati 5, Michigan State, Michigan. Because they did set the precedence last week that head-to-head makes a big difference. So I think Michigan State will stay ahead of Michigan. But we'll see. It's going to all depend on where does Cincinnati fall. It could be anywhere within that range. They could even drop them below Oklahoma. Oklahoma didn't play this week, so they didn't have a chance to look poor in the game, even though they looked poor against Kansas a a few weeks back. But so where is Cincinnati going to fall? I think it could be anywhere. I think Cincinnati could be anywhere from 5 to 9. Or five to eight. I'm sorry. With Notre Dame being nine, I think I'll, I think A&M will be number ten. Notre Dame nine, A&M ten, and then right there between five and eight of those four teams: Michigan, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma. My bet will be it will be Michigan State, Michigan, Cincinnati at seven, Oklahoma at eight. But we'll see. All right, now moving on to the NFL. NFL was interesting this weekend. My goodness. That was that was fun to watch, and, and again, I want to go back to uh, we've talked. I've talked that week again because it's a regional team, but I've talked that week. Dallas is who we thought they were, or who I thought they were. Dallas is an elite offense. Dak Prescott is playing at an elite level, but when their offense is not on, and it can't, it's not, might not be on every week. When their offense was not on, it was not clicking. Their defense can't hold up, and they got handled by the Broncos. Yes, I know the score ended up 30-16, to 16, but it wasn't that close. Because I watched that game, and it was not that close. And the Cowboys offense just 
just couldn't get anything going. Yes, are they going to still win a ton of football games? Yeah, I think I think they're going to win a ton of football games because they have an easy schedule based on current records. I think they're going to win a lot of football games. I don't think they can beat Arizona. And I think, I don't know about the Chiefs. Goodness, the Chiefs slipped out a win against a, 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 a Aaron Rodgers-less Packers team. That's, I mean, the Chiefs, Chiefs are struggling offensively and defensively. But they're able to win, and that's what matters. They won. So, I mean, you see the, t- I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a very turbulent weekend for the NFL. I mean, the Browns come in and hammer the Bengals. I didn't see that. You know, the Bengals overlooked the Jets getting ready for this Browns game, and then the Browns come in and beat the Bengals. And, what you know, and of course, what everybody's talking about is the Odell Beckham situation. So, I mean, again, I'm going to go kind of like I talked about when Tech got rid of their coach at 5-3. and three. I'm like, who do, you th- who do you think you are? Same thing with Odell Beckham. What has Odell Beckham done? Other than that Monday with that catch on what was I think it was it was a Sunday night Sunday night football I was watching it Sunday night football or Monday night football against the Cowboys or against the uh, yeah against Cowboys that one handed catch okay other than that what has he significantly done nothing so that is definitely addition by subtraction right there for the Browns and they come out and they play better and they look good against the Bengals you know Falcons upset the Saints. Saints are going to have a tough time winning consistently without, even without, it's crazy to say that without Jameis Winston at quarterback. They're going to have a tough time. I know they upset the Buccaneers, but they're kind of the Buccaneers kryptonite. And so that's a big win for the Falcons. Falcons are now four and four. Hold on. They're get they're one game behind the Saints. They've kind of burst onto that scene. They're, they're playing well. Giants are playing well. Giants played solid. The Giants play solid defense. And they play good special teams, so they're in in every game. I I think they're very questionable offensively, which is why I think they're going to struggle winning consistently in the NFL. But they play good defense. They play special teams, so they're going to be good special teams, so they're going to be in every game. And they win them. I don't know if their offense is good enough to win week in, week out, but they're good enough defensively and special teams to to win every game. And then, of course, I'll save that one for last, but the Jaguars with a huge upset over the Bills. The Bills are struggling right now. Now, it's middle, middle of the year, so they have time to get to right the ship. But losing nine, losing six to nine against a Jaguars team that whose defense has been v- very questionable at best. That was, that was eye-opening. That was surprising. The Ravens were able to come back and beat the Vikings. That was a big win because I'm sitting there watching that, and I see this Vikings-Ravens score, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, are the Ravens about to lose to the Vikings? Again, I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be a crazy weekend. But the Ravens, who I love to watch play, I love their offense. I love what they do on offense. Everything about it, I love watching them play. I'm, I'm glad they were able to pull out that win. So, and then again, I watched a little of the the end of the game against the Packers and the Chiefs. And you know, I everybody's the question: What is wrong with the Chiefs' offense? And again, I keep saying it. Go the last two seasons, people came into that game. And I, I hate to say the word scared, but they were scared of the Chiefs' offense. And so they played like it. They played on the defensive against the Chiefs' offenses, which is not good. But now, ever since the Super Bowl, now the Chiefs' offense plays on the defensive. Mahomes gets out of the pocket a little quicker than he has in the past. Their offense has become defensive instead of offensive. And again, like I keep saying, it's that 
air of immortality that has been burst since the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, people go into the games against the Chiefs hoping that they that they make mistakes so they have a chance to beat the Chiefs. Now they come in on defense and take an offensive approach against the Chiefs, Chiefs offense. That's what I've seen. The mentality has switched. They're no longer scared of the Chiefs offense. And luckily for the Chiefs, they got to play a Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgerless Packers team because that does make a big difference. Everybody wants to come out and say, yeah, Jordan Love, Jordan Love played okay. But with Aaron Rodgers, that's a different game, whether you like it or not. Whether you like Aaron Rodgers, whether you agree with his position or not, Aaron Rodgers is the best thing at quarterback for the Packers. He's an elite, elite level quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, elite level. One of the best to ever play the game. One of the most talented. Some argue the most talented to ever play the game at that position. So, yes, it makes a difference. <laughs> One of the also surprises of the weekend, Cardinals beating the 49ers. Come on. My man, Colt McCoy. Hey, I love it. Texas boy, Colt McCoy comes in. Those 22 of 26 for 249. I love it. Love it. And they go in and beat the 49ers in San Francisco. I love every love every bit of that. I love Colt McCoy. I think he's a just a top-notch person. I love I think he's awesome. I think Kyler Murray's great too, by the way. I'm not, I'm not taking I just I'm so glad for Colt McCoy who's hung around the league for so long and comes in and just puts an impressive victory over the 49ers in San Francisco. That's just great. That's a great story. That's great. The Titans handled the Rams. I watched that game Sunday night. Expecting, you know, I, I expected the Rams in LA to handle the Titans, you know, without Derrick Henry. And Titans look great. And the Rams did not. Titans look great. They looked well prepared. They have a mentality. And, and I've talked about it on here. You, you, you typically, good teams, or not good teams, teams migrate towards the mentality of their coach, right? And the Titans. The Titans are, are embody everything about that. Tough, gritty. Mike Vrabel's tough, gritty. They embody everything about that. And they showed that. And then the Steelers and Bears last night, I know the the taunting call, yes. And hey, Bears played well. That's a good Steelers team. That's a good, not just a good Steelers team, it's a good, well-coached Steelers team. Because, again, I've told y'all how I feel about Mike Tomlin. I think he might be the second-best coach in the league. And so, you know, Justin Fields comes in and puts in a solid performance. But, you know, the the Chiefs, and not the Chiefs, I'm sorry, the Steelers were able to pull that out. They were able to pull that out, and and that's a big win. That's a big win for the Steelers. The Steelers now, what, I think won four in a row. They're sitting at five and three. They're they're right there, one game behind Baltimore in the top of their division, and probably the, you know, you people question what what's the toughest division? Is it the West or the North and the AFC? And I don't know. They're right there together. I mean, they're both. I'd I'd say the North is because I think Baltimore's better than all the teams in the West. But I think the in the AFC North is the most solid team, most solid conference in the or division. Sorry, in the AFC conference. And then I'll save the best for last. I've talked over and over, I think, the past few times on Coach Starnes Raw about who I think the best team's going to be in the NFL and, and, and just because they have the best coach to ever coach in the NFL. And that's the New England Patriots. 
and they drafted a quarterback in Mac Jones that fits exactly what they want to do. And Mac Jones embodies everything that they want to do in New England. And I think he's going to be elite level quarterback. And I think he's on his way. And but but again, that's attributed to just an outstanding coaching staff. Again, probably the best coaching staff ever to coach in the NFL. And I'm not sliding Lombardi and his staff. Lombardi's amazing. But I think Bill Belichick is, I, I think, without a doubt, the best coach to ever coach in the NFL. And it shows right now. I think they're the hottest team in the NFL. And by that, I mean team. They don't have a quarterback that's putting up 350 yards a game or anything, or a running back that's putting up. A, they do it in all aspects of the game. Mac Jones was 12 of 18 for 139 yards, and their leading rusher had 30 yards rushing. Wow. They won that football game by dominating all three facets of the game, and that's what a good football team does. They don't have to be great on offense every week because they're so good on defense and special teams. They find your weakness. They exploit your weaknesses. But they're so good in every facet of the game that they can beat you in one, the other, or all every week. And so that's my take. I think. I mean, I think the Patriots are going to be a force to be reckoned with if not one of the best teams come the end of the season in a very, very even AFC that's just, I think, described or characteristic characterized by parity, I think is the per- for, perfect word, you know, minus, the, uh, minus my Texans, which are not in the mix, and a struggling Dolphins team, and the Jets. You take those teams out, and then and Jaguars. You take out the Jets, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Texans, and it's a very even conference in the AFC. And so I think the hottest teams are going to be the ones that emerge, and I think that's going to be right now, if I had to pick two, I'd pick the Ravens and the Patriots. And the Steelers are going to be right there. Which one's going to emerge in the West? I'm not sure. Broncos have shown flashes. Chargers have shown flashes. They had a tight win over a struggling Eagles team this week. The Raiders have shown good flashes. And then the Chiefs are kind of that team that has all the ability, just not sure what's amiss with them. So I don't know. We'll see. And then the Bills. The Bills have struggled of late. So who's going to emerge? It's going to be the team that gets hottest. And right now, trending in that direction again, like I said, the Ravens and the Patriots. So again, thank you all so much for joining me. Thank you for this opportunity to just talk football. Uh, I love it and love every minute of it. We'll talk to you all again on the next edition of Coach Tarn's Raw.